Hi, and welcome to the Legal Innovation Talks podcast, where we have discussions with legal thought leaders from around the world in order to uncover the future of the legal space. I'm your host, Stephen Pulver. I think before we kind of jump in, the best thing would actually be to introduce you to our audience. Who sure. are you? Uh, I'm Ramesh Atyarchi. I'm commercial lawyer in Toronto, and I'm the founder of um, what I call this thing called the Lodgeburg Community. Um, I've been practicing for almost a decade, and the last couple of years has been really focused on trying to figure out um, what what makes a modern law for modern. Um, and it's been an interesting journey, a lot of learning experiences. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of good learning experiences. What makes a modern law firm modern? Yeah, yeah. What, uh, well, I guess that's, I'm going to throw that question back to you just, just to start. What, what are the I elements? Uh, that I, mean, I mean, I mean, one of the things I think it's trite to say that auto, like technology is important. Um, I think when I first started on the journey, um, all I wanted to do was to just to do good work, um, and keep my costs low. I mean, that's, that's how, that's how the process started. Um, as time went on, it, I realized it's not as easy as that. Um, if you want to do good work, especially in um, this environment, in this um, economy, you've really got to be able to leverage technology. And one of the biggest struggles, and so that was, a, that was a lesson I learned quickly. I mean, I think there's this idea out there that um, success, the modernizing all the modern law firm, all you need to do is have a computer and have a cloud file storage. And it's not that simple. Um, I think that was a big harsh truth that I learned really early on. Um, so, so yeah, with that, I'd like to take a, a little bit deeper of a dive. So, so first off, are you, you're still practicing? Still practicing. Uh, yeah. Still practicing. still practicing and general corporate commercial kind of work. No, I mean, so I mean, I mean, I think that's the, I mean, you know, I mean, like I don't, I, I don't know if I finished my answer on what is Mike's modern law for modern. I think. Yeah, please. The, I mean, I think the, um, we've got to redesign how it works. I mean, this idea. So I think one of the biggest things that I was experimenting with at the start was why do we have this idea of a corporate commercial being one type of practice and dispute resolution being the other? Uh, my background was in dispute resolution and um, I did that for the majority of my practice, but clients started coming to me because it was, they saw that I was a very good negotiator. And so they would come and ask, say like, look, like, can I get your help to negotiate these types of deals? And so what I end, so when I started my practice, I built myself as uh, basically the part-time in-house legal officer or the chief legal or part-time in-house chief legal officer of the company of companies. And that was actually how I built, started my practice. Um, currently I doing a mix of both the dispute resolution and the corporate commercial work. Um, but I still though, the thing that clients still come back to me over and over again is my skills at negotiating resolutions really early. Right. Um, so, so, so again, go back to the modern law firm. That's what it looked like. It looked like a rethinking or reframing of how we practice law. 
So let, let's talk then, and then we'll go back to this specifically around the entrepreneur community. So um, why don't you first off, just give a, give a broad overview of what it is. I've been part of the events. They're amazing. Um, why don't you give a, a shameless plug about what the entrepreneur community and, and events are all about? And yeah. then we'll bring yeah. it back to modern, modern practice. Yeah. So I, so I mean, my biggest, so I had this idea of being modern, but I didn't know what modern was. And one of the things that I really wished I had really at the start of my journey of building this thing was to have other people that were trying to do the same thing um, to basically have this sort of community. Um, and I couldn't find it and because I couldn't find it. I really struggled to find the information and the resources to help me along that pathway. And so um, because of my struggles, um, I, and I would be looking for information. I'd be looking online. I'd be looking at all sorts of places. Had lots of challenges. And when I did find sources, I really had a tough time accessing those sources because of money. The sources to modernize are expensive and they're costly. What are those, what are those, what are those sources? Um, Generally. So, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you could, so by way of example, so I preach process. A process is so critical to the modern law firm, okay? And knowing process and knowing how to move a file from start to finish. I need, um, you, good sources of process, of understanding process are expensive. And again, I'm not, fault, they're, 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 and they're expensive for a reason. They're good at what they do. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to fault them. But me as a solo lawyer, I just couldn't afford it. What What are those? I, I'm just digging deeper because I think it's yeah, important. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, like, just tell me a little bit more about what that means. Are these software solutions? Are these ideologies? Um, are they, and they could be everything. Okay, so technology is easy to buy. Like, it's cheap, right? Like, you can you can buy technology anywhere, right? Like, they're between 30 to 100 to $150 a month, sure. But to really understand how to leverage technology, you need training. So you can, so what I guess what I'm talking about when I'm talking about sources is that I can buy a software, but the amount of money I have to pay to be trained on it, to leverage it to its full capabilities is expensive. Right. Right. And so is that because of the tools that are out there or is it because of how comprehensive these tools are? And perhaps it's both. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of an analogy. It's like, and we can name specific, comp- like what's a, what's a, so far as you feel comfortable, like what, what's a tool that you would have seen starting your practice that you would have said, this is going to be an under uh, a large undertaking. Template. So uh, like I'll, a Clio I'll, type. I'll, I mean, I mean, practice, I'm like, I mean, I mean, all, all every, like the Clio's Cosmolexes, like all these software that do a really good job at being good at saying like, look, this is how you practice, run, a, run and manage a practice. That's easy. Um, I'm more talking about, for, like, for example, one of the biggest uh, foundational elements to my practice is collaboration, right? Knowing how to use software like Microsoft Teams effectively or Slack effectively or integrating that into a law firm, there's, there's lots of free resources out there from other businesses, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel it was right or tailored to my practice or specifically law firms, right? Um, and I think the, and 
So that's one example, right? Another thing I talked about is automation. We know that technology is going to be a significant component of the modern legal practice. But we don't know what technology is right for practices. And, and even if we do, we don't know how to implement that within our practices to leverage its full potential. And so the, so the challenge is, is that, and the, what, what makes matters even worse is that you make this significant investment into these technologies. And then you don't leverage its full potential. You don't even understand how to use it. And then a month or two months later, you say, you know, this is such a waste of time. I'm going to move on. But that's, a, that's actually a step backward to what we're trying to do, right? You've lost money, you've lost time, and you've lost momentum, right? And then you add on training staff and your, and your costs mount. And so one of the commitments I made early on in my practice is that if I'm going to invest in a technology or in a process, I'm just going to do it right. Because I don't want to go back in time. Right. Um, so, for example, um, I, when I started off my practice, I was using Slack. Okay. And Slack is great. I love it. There's a lot of, like, it's, I think it has a lot of really good benefits. I'm trying to move on to Microsoft Teams right now. And for right. a whole bunch of for a whole bunch of reasons, because I know you said you, you you said to, said to us before that Microsoft Teams is the you know one SaaS tool you can't live without. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Because it's the way. My, so for one, um, I love Google Docs. I love the Office platform. I think that sorry, I love the Google Apps platform. But unfortunately, lawyers live and still live and die by Microsoft Office, right? But more importantly, the amount of strides that Microsoft has made within the Teams platform has been pretty remarkable. It's been pretty incredible. And um, Teams specifically now is a tool which I, when I look at it, like it innate, because I can work from my documents within Teams, that's a huge benefit for me. So I, I, I'd like to actually dive a little bit deeper on that. So sure. you were on Slack and I, I, I recognize this is probably veering away from, from where we thought the conversation would okay. go, but I think it's important. So you're on Slack, you love the tool and you say, okay, uh, my clients uh, and those around me are still so uh, embedded in the Microsoft ecosystem um, that we're going to switch over to Microsoft Teams. Um, but I, I guess my broader question is going back to your, your, your point before about not wanting just to move off of tool because A, you're not using it uh, or that you're not finding it no. necessarily useful. Like, are you not taking a step back by saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do a lateral move from Slack to, Slack to Microsoft yeah, Teams? Like, how, is that great... delivering, how is that delivering value to, to, to your clients? Because I can use... So this is, a, I can use the automation tools that are out there. Far, I can leverage those automation tools far more effectively in Office than I can with. So Slack. tell me about those automation tools. I'm I'm interested. So I don't. Yeah. So I mean, like, so yeah. So this goes back. I mean, so so by way of background, I'm pretty good with technology. Um, and so I'm an immigrant. I uh, came to Canada in 2000. Um. And so technology has been something that I lived and breathed for, for a significant component of my life, um, especially when I was overseas. Um, 
the with automation has been the bread so like I think I said it's bread, the bread and butter of my practice. But with Teams, they've now got so many integrations using webhooks that are that's fantastic. So for I'll give you an example. Um, I can have a client that puts in their information on on a web form, and once they submit the web form, it'll come to me not only with the intake but also with a draft retainer agreement, draft letter to the client, and a draft letter to the opposing counsel, and a draft pleading, by way of example. Right. Right. And that's just because of how I've structured my automations. Right. So, so uh, just so I understand, so you're, you're harnessing the power of things like webhooks uh, and different functionality yeah. that Microsoft's you know, providing out of the box on Teams. Um, well, it's not out of the box. Well, so that's the thing. I mean, the, the functionality of webhooks available. But there's webhook integrations on Slack as well, or they're not? Yeah, but not in the same way of... So, okay, so this is far easier when, it's a, when I actually visualize it. Um, the, the process for Slack would be form to Slack to Word. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. What right. you're saying so, uh, is that the integration on Teams allows you to actually have Word as part of the process. I, not go, as, I go from form to Teams and I'm good. I, I understand. Okay, I understand. Right. So and takes, I think so, that's so, super helpful for, I think that's super helpful for people right. to understand as well. Right. And so, that's, and so this, is what, and this is what I'm saying. Running a modern law firm is not easy. It's not, there's a level of process that's not necessarily visible. Right. It's a process where there's an underlying foundation um, which you need to think about and contemplate about before you actually integrate. So that's the so that's why I, I really talk way too much about automation. And so so let, let, let's actually use this now as the jumping off point to talking sure. about modernization in general. Uh, I know that one of the things that you're so passionate about, especially through the entrepreneur community is, you know, um, I know we've talked about this modernization bootcamp. There's a few other pieces there. What are, what are the practical steps that other practitioners or in-house legal or really anyone who's practicing in the space can be taking today to set themselves up uh, with resources and tools to, to, to push them to the next, to the next level? See, that's a, that's a great question. I think, Here's what, here, if there's one thing that I've learned um, over the last year, year and a half, is that every practice is different and has different needs. Like, I think the, and it sounds like the lawyer's answer, it's like, depends. Um, but well and truly, um, every lawyer's needs is different. So for example, I'm speaking from the perspective of a commercial lawyer um, whose client base is small businesses, um, and, and I've got a specific experience about, so, so the primary need is contracts and whatnot. I think that's very different from, let's say, a criminal lawyer, a family law lawyer. I think that if I, I think the first step that was really integral to my journey was figuring out um, who is my audience, so in this case, who's my clients, um, what are the problems they're facing, um, what are this? 
what are what's my solution? What makes my solution better than what's out there? And why should the, and why should the client choose me? Right. So it's like five questions. So like these are the same five questions that are foundational to whenever I look at any sort of problem, right? When sort of business, right? So um, again, it's who who is my audience or who's my client? What is the problem they have? Um, why is my solution better than what is my solution? Why is my solution better than others? And why should they choose me? Right. And usually, so, so if you come up with decent answers to those five questions, you're actually in a much better position to make decisions on how to modernize than you would without those questions, without those and, answers. And obviously those questions and corresponding answers are things that might not come very quickly to people. How, how is your work, especially through entrepreneur, how are you helping lawyers and practitioners get there? The problem that I was facing is that I didn't have a place to go to, to either talk about problems and find solutions for how to modernize my practice. And because, and there were no other lawyers out there doing it, or I didn't think there were other lawyers doing it. Um, and because of that, I actually had to go to non-lawyers to get some advice. Those non-lawyers weren't necessarily free. In fact, they were quite expensive. Um, but I felt it was important for me to invest that time and invest that money to try and learn about these fundamentals so I can take that knowledge and adapt it to my practice. And that's what I did. Um, and one of the things that really transformed my view of basically what was around me was um, this fireside conference. And um, Stephen, I know that you were really instrumental in putting that together. And going to Fireside and realizing that there were other communities of lawyers out there that A, were not only struggling with the same issues I was struggling with, but B, actually actively responding to them and creating new and unique ways to build their own version of solutions was fantastic. And that really spurred me to really try and figure out how to bring people like me together to just to share solutions, to share strategies and to move forward together. And so while I started the Lotterburn community before attending Fireside, um, that was really when I said like, you know what, this could work, right? And so for me, the Lotterburn community, it solves the problem by bringing lawyers together. And by bringing it together, we can actually diversify risk. So this is an investment idea. The idea being is that innovation by always carries an inherent risk of failure. If you're running as a solo lawyer, a small firm, you can't really bear those risks of, risks of failure. And worse, if you have a, if the law society cracks down on failure, it actually harms the rest of the profession. So there's right. lots of reservations about being too innovative. Um, well, that, that's actually an interesting point because, you know, it's something we believe very strongly in, in many facets, one of which is, is actually security. Um, right. And it's, it's this idea of um, unless we're at the forefront pushing uh, secure ways to share work with data, then if, if, if there's no thought leadership there coming from a, a, a group of like-minded individuals pushing things forward, um, the worry is you end up with a hodgepodge of, right. uh, of, of solutions and 
poor uh, practices. Um, so the education component and, and, you know, I'm completely aligned, you know, Ramesh, we've talked a few times about how the law entrepreneur community and, and the legal innovation council work hand in hand in so many different ways. I think the, the thing I've distilled from it is that um, the key part of your community is that you're enabling uh, practitioners with specific tools, with best practices in, in similar ways that the council is, but um, much more on a, on a hands-on, here's a tool set that might work for you as a, as a practitioner. Yeah. And, 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 and ide- in the ideal world, I want this to be tech, tech agnostic, right? right? So for example, um, I don't want this to be simply saying buy X tool. I want right. to talk about saying like, look, I'm using X tool, but here's how you could use it in a way that you could use any other tool, right? Because I think there's, a, there's an inherent danger of saying that one tool is the best tool of any. I think each tool has its benefits and its um, not so benefits. And I, we just got to tailor it to our practices, right? Are, are you finding that it's become easier to get people on board with, with, your, with your mission than it was even, you know, five, six months ago? I think the, I mean, like, look, I think we're all, I mean, when we're talking about mission, I mean, it was, I think lawyers are inherently resistant to change. And because of crises like the coronavirus, we've had change forced upon us. And a lot of people are trying to adapt accordingly. And so ad- adapting under pressure of time, I think obviously there's a need for saying, like, you know what, let, let me check these different sources out. Right. So in that sense, it's made it easier. I'm, I think the jury is still out as to whether these sorts of the impetus to modernize or the impetus to adapt is sustainable. I think that a lot of lawyers like, their pro, like, like the paper, like the tradition. And um, I, I had a judge recently tell me um, that he doesn't like doing case conferences online. He, wants, he still wants a pomp and pageantry of, um, and what's your, what's your reaction to that? What's your reaction to that? I mean, I, I mean, I get it. I think that, uh, like, look, I think, I think there's a certain, there's a certain type of client that buys into the pomp and pageantry and the importance of all these traditions. I think that's absolutely true. Um, me as a lawyer, I don't, I don't really care. Right. Me as a lawyer, I- I'm saying, Look, I can do my job either virtual or in person, but if, for example, you're doing a settlement conference, okay, which is what we are pre-trial, there is a certain benefit of having parties in the, this courtroom that's super formal where nobody is going to be joking around. There's, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. Do I agree with it? Not, not, not necessarily so, but to each their own, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly agree. I mean, to each his own or, or her own. It's it's uh, it's up to it's up really to the individual. Um, I guess it's it's. Uh, I guess from my perspective, I think things are changing very quickly. Absolutely. Um, and we had a, a really interesting conversation previously with with uh, with a, a friend and, and a colleague who I know you, you know Heather Sadi who yep. who spoke. Um, quite poignantly around this idea of, you know, if we, we need to make sure we're listening to the right, to the right people, um, that if, 
if you have a practitioner who's still pushing paper or still pushing, um, you know, and that's a topic near and dear to my heart, of course, uh, physical documents, paper, um, anything that isn't cloud, uh, on-prem, those kinds of things. Um, you know, I, 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 I'd hope, and I, th- I think you'd see that as, hmm, that's, that's an interesting approach in the 2020 climate to, to still, it's one thing to prefer a paper document over a digital document, but it's probably quite another to run your firm still on paper. Uh, versus- yeah, and I, and I think that's a really good point. I think, I mean, look, I think as lawyers, I think we are face, facing a choice. Um, we are faced with the choice of whether to adapt or not adapt. And maybe there's even a third choice to face, can we have our feet in both ponds? Right. right. And I think that there's the lawyers that are successfully able to transition both realities um, are far more able to, to serve a diverse clientele. Right. So you, um, yes, continue. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. I, I mean, like, I mean, what I struggle with is with I've had clients, uh, well, not I had, I have, I have clients that really hold paper near and dear to their hearts. But surely, I, surely the idea though is, is, and, and I hear that, like I, I hear it, you know, uh, despite how much I like digital and cloud, I still like having a handwritten note beside me. I, 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 I get that. Um, but to, to a certain degree, I think there's, there's an impetus, but also a, a responsibility that we hold in our respective spaces in the industry to say, you might prefer it this way, but it's not where things are going. That, you know, if you look at um, other industries, uh, it doesn't matter really where it is, where, you know, you, you listen to your clients, of course, but if you are listening blindly to your clients, I'm not suggesting you are or anyone is, I'm just saying as, as a word of caution to those listening to this thinking um, that just because there's a preference uh, towards one uh, to, towards one business method or procedure or workflow or however they're doing things doesn't actually make it the right thing long term. There is there is a there is a cloud future that there is no going back as far as I'm concerned. I think you'd probably agree with that. That there's no you're not ever going to ditch Microsoft Teams. You're not going. I, I'd assume you're never going back to email. Right, right. But I mean, keep in mind that I'm not doing that because that's what, like, you're right. I mean, like, I'm not. But the fact of the matter is that goes back to those five questions, right? Can you construct answers to the five questions that lead you to a paper-based law firm? Possibly. So fair enough. I I think it does, it is contextual. Uh, I, listen, I, I think at the end of the, and this is super interesting. Uh, what I want to do is actually jump in and talk a little bit about the challenge that you're setting out. Cause I think it's, I think it's terrific. Um, I just wanted to hit on one point that I think you, sure. you nailed, which was um, something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. We just phrased it a little bit differently. I think going back uh, during the, whatever stages of this pandemic we're in and, and beyond, I think really there's fundamentally three types. And I think we're saying the same thing. There's the, there's the type that is going to go back and change everything about their practice. There's the type that's going to go back and pick and choose things 
but won't make wholesale changes at the start. But they are kind of recognizing that there's going to have to right. be those changes over time, but they're not going to make them as, as quick. And then there's the third, which aren't going to make any changes. Okay. Worse yet, they're going to look at their man. They're going to look around the, the table or their zoom meeting at the management team. And they're going to decide, we're just going to go back to the way, way we were yep. doing it. Cause it's easy. You know, in my mind, that third tier won't, won't exist in well they're in gonna go extinct term. no no and in that sense i agree they're gonna go extinct i'm like they're gonna be like the dinosaurs right right so uh, yeah complete agreement so, so it's it's one thing that there's that i think you called it kind of the hybrid or feed them both like i think we're saying the same thing there's this middle group that might yeah. say you know in some cases it's okay for us to have some paper or it's okay for us to do things this way but we're recognizing that the future is digital we're recognizing that our, the client is first. We're recognizing that business, uh, that uh, law firm is a business. Uh, we're, we're recognizing all those things. So I think that that's a really important point. Now, Absolutely. I, I, I want to bring up as a final piece here, specifically around this challenge. Why don't you talk to me in, in our community a little bit about what you have set up, the details around that, because I think it's something that's really important and something we, sh we should actively promote. Yeah. So, so automation is the foundation to what I believe the bottom law firm is, right? And when I say automation, automation can take a number of different forms. Automation is document generation. Automation is um, um, email automation. So basically autoresponders auto are a form of automation. For me, autom automation is as simple as um, using technology to respond to um, a repetitive task, right? And so get a number of different types, but how lawyers use automation vary and it varies according to their skill level using technology. And so um, the automation challenge is a challenge that I'm running that basically encourages or incentivizes lawyers to lean into the um, discomfort and integrate one simple automation to their practice. That sounds like something you learned at Fireside, leaning into your discomfort. That's uh, it is absolutely one of the things that. Okay, I will, good. I'm, I'm it, happy. It, to it. It's, it's, I will. I will gladly give you credit. It's something that I've always believed in. But well, I can't even necessarily. T you know, that's that's one of the key pillars. So I'm I'm happy yeah. that you're saying. No, that. so no, no, and, and like I said to you, Fireside was a great conference, and kudos for you to putting such a uh, summit on. Um, and like, look, I mean, one, I mean. Truth be told, the, this automation challenge is really a function of um, the Law Entrepreneur Digital Summit, where basically it was something where I put together this summit of 20 awesome. speakers and 20 sessions. But it, I relied on automation to get all of the repetitive tasks done. And so, I mean, automation really is the power behind, I think, the modern law firm. Um, and so what the automation challenge is, is to get lawyers to go through the stages of, automate, of automating a simple process from start to finish. Um, and um, basically in the course of four days, um, we're going to run it, right? Amazing. Um, yeah. What are the dates? So what are the dates? Um, so the dates are next week. Uh, so it'll be Monday, June 28th to July 2nd. But um, if you go, to, but if um, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give we'll you a put link. the link in the show notes as well. 
Yeah, and essentially, if you click on the link, you'll actually be able to get the download, like a down, a free download. I'm probably going to run it a couple of more times, depending on the interest of this thing. Um, because I do think that it's a really important way for people to know about about the importance of automation to a practice. I love it. Ramesh, thank you so much for doing this no with worries. us. Um, uh, thank you for thank you for inviting me. This was great. I'm certain we'll do it again. Um, so let's let, let's uh, close out this episode of the Legal Innovation Talks by thanking our friend Ramesh and the entrepreneur community for uh, for joining us. Uh, we will speak to you next week. <laughs>